3: Hey everybody! I'm Kim Holderness,
2: and I'm Ben Holderness. Thank you so much for joining us on the Holderness Family Podcast. We have a fantastic guest coming up, Celeste Headley. Before we do, just a, like some 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 housekeeping, I'm not going to call this housekeeping. This is just this is just fun, good stuff. Our new book, ADHD is Awesome, is now available for pre-order, and we're really excited about this book.
3: And as somebody in our Instagram DMs pointed out. For an ADHD-er, it is really hard that you've offered something, but they actually cannot get it Right, like the pre-order thing. The pre-order yeah. thing is very frustrating to an ADHD brain, apparently.
2: I, I actually understand that. And I, dude, I'm sorry. That's just, it's kind of the way it works. You sort of, can we just tell people a little bit about why it does pre-order? Yeah. Okay. When you first release a book, which for us is going to be April the 30th, that first week of book sales includes any pre-orders that you've had. And if you get a lot of pre-orders, which means you have it out for a yeah. long time. And by the way, people, everyone does this. The reason why is because that total number of pre-orders essentially determines whether or not you're going to make certain bestsellers list. Okay, and
3: our last book did make many of those lists. Yes, which was very flattering and wonderful.
2: Yes. Now, for us, in the long term, we don't really care too much about the bestsellers list. We for this book, we care that it touches the lives of people deeply and personally. And I think we've written a book that does that.
3: Okay. And so, so
2: anyway, anyway, sorry, buddy. Any,
3: no, that I think it's really. Let's be transparent. He's,
2: yeah, but he's totally right because I'm like impatient about it too. I want it, I want people to be able to read it. In fact. I think we're going to do a promotion potentially where if you pre-order it pretty soon, we're going to have like a digital uh, download of the first chapter that you can get for free before the book comes out.
3: Yes. Uh, So also we're doing a special promotion with Barnes & Noble. When you pre-order, you can tell us where you'd like us to hold a future book signing so like we could come to your town. So you go to this, there's a form you can fill out at ADHDisawesomebook.com and fill out your, in. and we're going to go to wherever the most votes are. So it could be your town.
2: Also, for any information on our games, books, or any of our fun merch, t-shirts, hoodies, like a lot of new products on the way, you can go to theholdernessfamily.com. And if you get anything from us, please, if you send us a photo or you tag us, particularly our, our new card game, What the Flock, because that's just now coming out. If you want to send a photo and tag us, it would make us really pumped up.
3: So obviously, we've been very busy. Last year was a very busy year. I loved it. Loved being part of creating this book, this game, all of the videos. I do wake up every single morning with pure joy in my heart that this is what I get to do. But my resolution for this year, and you're going to hear me discuss how I failed wildly, is just to slow down. And I think it occurred to me that, like, I'm saying it. Yes, I want to slow down and I want to slow down. I just don't know how. And that's why we brought in Celeste Headley.
2: Yeah. Celeste is here to help talk us through it. I will say that I do love your, I love your enthusiasm and commitment to becoming a better person. I do think that slowing down will make you a better person. I also think it's intrinsically against your DNA. Mm-hmm. And so, like watching you try to commit yourself to do this is, I'm. It's very admirable. I admire you for doing this, and I admire you for being transparent when you don't feel like it's working.
3: I mean, so I, I had a bad cold. Actually, we were recording our audio book, and I just, I was kind of under the weather, and I decided over the weekend I was just going to chill out and do nothing. Let me tell you, even being sick, it was hard for me to do nothing. And I don't know if it's a, a generation of people, the way, um, you know, uh, Celeste will talk about just how our our country is just set up for productivity. I felt embarrassed that the laundry was stocking up. I felt embarrassed that there was like, I had, you know, cups of tea on my nightstand. I had like five of them. And I just felt like, oh, I should take care of this. And it was a real yeah. struggle just to sit still.
2: I mean, it's a combination, I think, of that and just your upbringing. And, like, you're, you're, you're just a born hustler. You always have been. And it's one of your best qualities. And a lot of times people's best qualities just need to meet other things in life. Well, to, I saw to, my
3: parents who are lovely, lovely people. They work and continue to. Well, my dad's still working. My mom is retired but still, like, is, bu- is very busy. They, you know, had, they were very, very, they were just busy and productive. And I, and then so was I and then I was rewarded. So, I'm, by the way, I'm not blaming my parents. This is like the the world was set no, up to th- create this. I mean, this
2: is one of your best qualities. I'm telling you, like, I, but I think, but she wanted to be mentally healthy,
3: right? Right. So, yes, again, not blaming my parents for this at all. So, let's introduce our guest because she's amazing. Celeste Headley is an internationally recognized journalist and radio host, professional speaker, and best-selling author. Her books include "We Need to Talk: How to Have Conversations That Matter." Do nothing. This is the one we're talking about today. How to break away from overworking, overdoing, and underliving. Speaking of race, why everyone needs to talk about racism and how to do it. We should probably get her back on the podcast to talk about that. You're cute when you're mad. Simple steps for confronting sexism. Maybe we should just have her... For all of these. For all of these. Okay.
2: Her TEDx talk, 10 Ways to Have a Better Conversation, has been viewed over 34 million times. In her 20-year career in public radio, Celeste has been the executive producer of On Second Thought at Georgia Public Broadcasting and anchored programs including Tell Me More, Here and Now, All Things Considered, and 1A. Celeste is the president and CEO of Headway DEI, which is a nonprofit that works to bring racial justice and equity to journalism and media through targeted training and interventions. Celeste is the granddaughter of composer William Grant Still, known as the Dean of Black American Composers and she is a trained operatic soprano. In fact, I believe we're going to have a sample of that if you hang on all the way to the end of the show.
0: Welcome, Celeste. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Okay, if I'm walking by in a bookstore and I see a book that says do nothing, I am immediately interested in, in, in the how. Right? I love the concept, and, and I cannot wait to hear how we can pull that off.
1: Yeah, I mean, do
0: nothing is not meant to be literal. Sure. <laughs> it, uh, it's just that I think that we have all bought into this myth that if you're not doing work that earns you money, that that's the equivalent of doing nothing at all. So it, it's really meant to sort of get people thinking about the fact that there's a difference between time off from work and actual leisure time, which should be not connected with work at all, but you could be very active in. So in order to to do that, you basically have to, you have to break your addiction to work, Mm. the, the compulsion to constantly be doing productive things, productive to society. And you also have to restructure your life, literally. I mean, I think that when one of the things that occurred during the pandemic, for those people who were isolated at home, I think that may have been the first time they realized that nearly everything inside their house was aimed at helping them prepare for work, mm. right? Like in, in earlier generations, homes were filled with puzzles and hobbies, rock polishing kits and stamp collections. And I think when people stayed home during the pandemic and I saw all these social media posts of panicked people saying, what do I do? I, you know, there's nothing to do here. That's when I think people began to realize that there was nothing in their home that was designed for their idle time. So my New Year's resolution for
3: myself was to find ways to, you know, be more intentional, be more present and slow down. And it is it is I have failed harder at this resolution (laughs) than I have any other previous resolution of, you know, fitness goals or whatever, nutrition stuff like easy. Got it. This has been the most challenging thing to me. And so we've talked about it on this podcast. Like, so, uh, like, we've, we've kind of, cause it's just, it's not sticking in the ways that I need it to. Because let's face it, you know, I, I'm thinking, I'm re, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, I'm framing it wrong in my head because I'm thinking of slowing down as doing, being less productive at work, but it's a pretty privileged thing to, cause if I'm less productive at work, I, Don't earn money. So, like, how do I balance that? Of, it seems like this slowing down thing in my head. It's only attainable for like really privileged people that don't have to earn
0: money. But that's not true. (laughs) So that is not true at all. There's there's so much in what you just said. So (laughs) sorry, um, I'll give you time to unpack. A lot. Bear with me while I sort of unpack all the pieces of what you just said. Yeah. So first of all, one of the reasons it's so difficult for you to do this, or for any of us to do this is because it has been sort of encoded in our DNA. Like literally, especially for Americans, but for many Western countries, the idea that work and hard work is what makes you worthy as a person, as a human being, Mm. is just what underlies not just our politics, but our religion, our family relationships, right? When you talk about somebody who's a worthless member of a family, like even if you don't have one, but it's like on a TV show, they're talking about somebody who's unemployed, right? Somebody who doesn't have a job. We are taught that the idle hands are the devil's play thing, right? It is so deeply embedded in our values and values are really hard to change. Mm -hmm. Those deeply held values. So what you're trying to do in terms of, oh, I'm just going to slow down what you're talking about is changing your life views. And that's really hard. It's, it's so, yeah. Continue, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So, yes, that number one, you're right. It's super difficult and it has to be very small, incremental, and patient. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that this idea that if you don't work all the time, you'll lose money, is also a myth. The people who work very, very long hours, and by long hours, I'm going to go with the definition that the World Health Organization uses, which is over 50. Mm -hmm. Don't make significantly more money than people who work 30 hours a week. That's the truth. That's true in the United States. That's true in the UK. It's true in many countries around the world. In fact, if you work those long hours, you get maybe a 6% rise in pay. Mm-hmm. And people who take all their vacation time are we- much double digits more likely to get a raise and get a promotion at work. So this, this guilt that we feel that when we're taking time off, we're losing money somehow that's part of the value system that was implanted in us to make us continue working. It's not based on reality. It's not true.
2: We will be right back. Don't go anywhere.
0: This show is sponsored by better
2: help. Uh, so Kim, yeah? personal question. Do you feel like there've been relationships in your life where you've had to set boundaries? Oh, this is a trick question. Cause you know the answer. <laughs> right. Okay. We don't have to name any names, but I know a lot of people come to you for support and advice and that can be overwhelming.
3: Yeah, I love being a support system for my friends, my family, but I've learned that I can very easily stretch myself too thin.
2: I think there's a misconception, right, that therapy is for major trauma. But therapy is really a great place to work through challenges at any point of any relationship.
3: I agree. Therapy is a great place to learn positive coping skills and also learn how to set some boundaries.
2: It can make you a better partner and a better friend.
3: Agreed. Uh, if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try.
2: It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule.
3: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist at any time for no additional
2: charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com
3: Holderness today to get 10% off your first month.
2: That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot slash Holderness. Okay, I've got some devil's advocate, self-employed, people who yeah, work for themselves. Too. Yeah, <laughs> um, You have a business to run, and there is no one else who is going to help you if you're in a small business. It's gonna, it, mo- mostly going to come from you. I have a new friend who said something incredibly insightful a couple of weeks ago when I was describing my job, which is coming up with something new every day and making sure that people can enjoy it. He said, so it's, it's kind of like you wake up every day unemployed. And, and he's right. Like, that's kind of how we are. We just keep having to do stuff. And if we don't, we've got to find something else to do. I'm, look, I'm just being a devil's advocate. So what... Mm-hmm. I get it. It's just that you could
0: also say that you you, you can turn that around and say, I, I work every day. Like, that's an incredibly unhealthy way yeah. to view it. It's not like it's untrue. It's just, that's it's not completely true. true. Well, and no- the opposite is also true. Yeah. Yeah. So... Here's the thing. I also did not believe this, okay. okay. right? Like I am also have been self-employed since 2018. I didn't believe it at all. But there's a few things here. Number one, the way that we work when we're working all the time and when we're answering emails at nine o'clock at night is incredibly inefficient. Mm-hmm. That is not the way the human brain works best. And we are causing actual physiological harm to our bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me go back to the WHO and say that recent studies, massive studies, including tens of thousands of people, show that working long hours, working over 50 hours a week, actually leads to earlier death. Mm. Not is correlated with, leads to. That's number one. But the other thing, to your point more exactly, is that you can do all the work that you need to do in fewer hours. Than you have been taking it. Yeah. I found this out for myself. When I started reducing the number of hours that I work, I actually got the work done. I just did it more efficiently. And, and part of the reason for that is that I wasn't polluting my time. Like I engaged in what is the most creative and fertile space for a human brain, which is deep focus. The way that we work right now, we never engage in deep focus, and deep focus is a is the point at which your brain is at its most creative and most productive. Mm -hmm. And I, because I schedule my days in a way that I do maybe three to four hours of deep focus and then I move on, I get so much done in so much less time. So, you know,
3: we are very literal people. We like a a, a list. We like a script. We want to know Exactly. I think this is why I have failed at, you know, resting and slowing down because I've not had like action items. Do you have three things that we can all do to stop overworking underliving or you just talking about how you set up guardrails uh, for your time and distractions. So I'm imagining you have some you've written a book on this. So I'm imagining you have some things you could share with us that I can put into place.
0: Yeah, the last third of that book is all, here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. But it has to start with an audit of your time. That's where it has to start because time perception, which is the scientific term for how we are in knowing how our time is spent, is at a record low Mm. among globally, but especially among Americans, meaning that if I were to ask you right now, give me an estimate of how your average day goes and how much time you spend on each thing would probably be Wildly inaccurate. It is impossible for you to, to take control and, and put up boundaries uh, for your time unless you know where your time is going. Mm-hmm. So grab a notebook, spend, I spent like actually two months doing this because as a self employed person, my schedule varies so wildly. But take as much time as you need, separate each day into 30 minute chunks, and every 30 minutes, just write down what you just did and be. Brutally honest. Nobody's going to see this but you. So if you spent 30 minutes shopping for boots, then write that down. Mm -hmm. If you spent, you know, 20 minutes coasting through Instagram, write that down. At the end of however long you do this, it needs to be a minimum of two to three weeks. You will start to get a really accurate picture of where your time goes. And I almost guarantee that you will be surprised. At how much time you spend on things, that you don't want to be spending that much time on them. For me, I didn't realize I spent as much time as I did sur- just surfing through the web, following links,
3: yeah, I, link I, after link after I, link. I get a screen time notification every week, and it's horrifying. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So then um, yes. what you have to do, let me go one yeah, step yep. and no, 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 When no, you please. finish that, then you have to figure out, okay. So, if I go to bed at about this time every night Mm -hmm. and I wake up at about this time and I have this much time I need to devote to work and this much to commuting or grocery shopping or whatever it is, I'm going to have a certain amount of time that's mine to play with each day. Mm -hmm. Um, For most people, it's somewhere around four to five hours, perhaps. Do I want to spend two of that surfing and clicking links on the internet? Do I want to spend half of my free time each day? coasting through Instagram or, you know, going over emails, looking at Slack? Probably not. And that's when you can start to say, okay, here's what I want my data to look like. Here's my priorities. Here's the things that are important to me. And that's where I'm going to spend my time. And even more importantly, that's when you sent your opening and your closing time. That's when you say, okay, here is the store of me. And here's when I flip that sign to open, and here's when I flip it to closed. And when it's closed, it's closed.
2: Perfect. So step one, audit. Step two, prioritize. Step three sounds like set boundaries or compartmentalize, like find those times that you're going to do yeah, it. find right. your average right. daily schedule. Okay. Step, step four, which I'm very interested in, uh, I have my own theories about this, but how do you achieve that deep focus? Because that seems like that's the most important thing.
0: So there's a few things. And frankly, we know a lot about this. I mean, neuroscience has really studied this very carefully. First of all, your your phone is going to distract you if it's within even your peripheral vision. We know this. You can't just set your phone down. It needs to be out of sight. So put it away. First, go through it and turn off pretty much every notification that you have. You don't need to know when people like your posts. So Pretty much, I have almost every single notification except from my calendar disabled. But then when you're trying to reach deep focus, you need to put it out of sight completely. I actually bought an analog telephone and it's, it has a little Bluetooth connector so that if somebody calls my cell phone, the little phone will ring and I will pick up a handset. I also, you have to, if, if you're working on your computer, you need to have one, maybe two tabs open at a time mm. and close out your email. You know, there's really good studies showing that even if you have your email client open in the background, it lowers your IQ by 12 to 14 points.
2: Wait, say that again.
0: Even if you have your email client open in the background, like you've minimized it, yeah. it lowers your IQ by 12. So,
2: this 14. is a study that says you are 12 points stupider if you have this up in your background? Correct. <laughs> that, I, 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 want I wish I was to part say, of that study.
3: I want to say that can't be true, but it feels true. Yeah. It is true. It's been replicated. It's true. It it feels yeah. true. And I think you're reviewed, replicated. Yeah. It's true. And I think, okay, I think what I'm learning here today is I'm probably not as busy as I think I am. I'm just spending Correct. time on things that are make me feel busy. They make me feel busy. I have to say, and you mentioned this in, in, the first question i'm addicted to it i i like to feel busy my favorite days are when i'm very very busy cuz i don't know how to not be busy like i i i feel some shame when i'm not busy so like that i should feel doing like so
0: I'm sorry to turn this
3: into like personal counseling here, but.
0: (laughs) It really it has to be because since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, which is where this all started before the Industrial Revolution, for most of 300,000 years that Homo Sapiens has been on the planet, we lived very differently. People worked fewer than half of the days in a year. Right. We were task based. Someone needed a wheel. You made a wheel and then you stopped working. (laughs) Lit a fire. But You were in a factory just making wheel after wheel after wheel after wheel. But we also worked very few days. You know, you take in the harvest. It's this very intense period of work. And then what do you have? You had like a two-week harvest festival. You didn't celebrate weddings for an afternoon. They would go on for a week, yeah. right? So then the Industrial Revolution came and everything changed. And that's when time became money. Number one, that's not natural for homo sapiens, But also what that means is that the higher your income rises, the guiltier you will feel when you're not earning money, right? Because any time off is time that's even more valuable than it was when you were a 17-year-old making minimum wage,
2: right? Yeah, it's the corporate mentality for sure.
0: Yeah,
3: I, I feel that because, you know, we've talked, I, I mean, We've all been like I've been broke before and I can can do that. But I feel like I now live in fear of not being able to pay bills. So I have like I have to work through my own thing because there was a period of life when I'm like, well, crap, I guess if I want groceries, those go on a credit card and then the credit card gets maxed out. And so I live in fear of that. So that's what's keeping. But I could chill. I'm now 47. I'm a big girl. Like I could I could chill.
0: Yeah. But you, I mean, it's that's difficult because our entire system is set up to make it difficult, if not impossible, to not work full time or more. Right. I mean, think about what you lose if you go part time at a job. You don't just lose wages. You, you lose, lose your benefits. Yeah. you Lose your benefits. You lose your sick care. That's the way our system is set up, because mm-hmm. to a certain extent, it is just the reality that our society has created a situation in which if you're not working a large number of hours per week, you can't survive. Mm. Ugh, I hate this.
3: Do
2: you, do you <laughs> believe that I, I'm curious, do you believe that if everyone adopted this every from 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 the from the top of a corporate structure all the way down in every single job, if everyone adopted this four to five hours of production? And like slowing down and doing less. Do you believe that our world would become a more productive place? Yeah. yeah. You do. Okay.
0: And then science backs me up on that.
2: So um, if everyone just started working less, we would all. Well, get-
3: our, our time would be more productive, I yeah. think is the
2: point. Right. So.
0: Look, we have so many studies, recent studies within the past few years in which they have slashed people's hours significantly, mm-hmm. even in places where we think it's impossible, like a busy hospital. Okay. There was a European hospital where the orthopedic unit in particular was overwhelmed all the time. These were people working 80, sometimes 90 hours a week. And they still had, in order to get surgery there, there was a three to four month waiting period. And what they did was, because the turnover was so bad, they slopped everybody, said nobody's going to work a shift longer than six hours. Ooh. I mean, imagine this. Yeah. yeah. But guess, and then they thought, said, okay, we have this money set aside. We're going to, well, you know, when we when we need to, we were going to hire a whole bunch of people. We're ready. Yeah. But they didn't need to hire more people. And not only did they become more efficient and more productive, but that waiting list crunked down to just like a couple weeks, perhaps. I mean, people just became more productive because you're not tired all the time. You're not pushing your body and your brain past its limits. You're working with what human beings do, which is pulsing. Intense e- periods of effort followed by actual rest. Mm. And without those periods of rest, we don't function
3: all that well. So I have so many questions for you. Are there, is, is there specific advice for people who work from home, work these non-traditional hours. I mean, we're all right now, the big conversation is like this return to work sort of thing. But I know so many people work from home. You mentioned you, I love this idea of like this phone with this Bluetooth, uh, you know, you know, device, you, you uh, make sure your email tab is, is not open. You only have two tabs open. Uh, What other specific advice do you have for people that are trying to work from home?
0: So the first thing is, is that we know, okay, so for example, if you are having trouble sleeping, one of the first things a sleep doctor will tell you is don't do anything in your bed but sleep, yeah. right? Because that's sort of the way your brain works. Your brain needs to learn where certain locations are and what their purpose is, which means you need to make sure you choose the part of your house which is for work and you unpollute the rest of the areas in your home from work. When you need to take a work call, you go to that place that you have designated. I don't care if you have a tiny apartment. It's just a corner of your dining room table. When, you, when a work call comes in, you say, hang on a moment, and you go to that place where you work, mm-hmm. and that's where you take that work call. You don't pick up your laptop and just work from any corner of your house because what you're telling your brain is that your entire home is for work, mm-hmm. which means your brain will not turn off. Mm-hmm. It will be on alert at all times. That's number one. The other thing is I've, I've actually adopted a bunch of analog things. You know, so much of our, our technology, whether it be Netflix, you know, the CEO of Netflix at one point said his competition wasn't, you know, the other cable providers, it was sleep.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> he said that out loud. Uh,
0: whether it be Netflix, whether it be our, our social media feeds, they're designed to, to make you lose track of time. Mm. So I bought a cuckoo clock. And every that. hour the cuckoo clock goes off and I go, "Oh, crap, I've been sitting here for an hour." I have bought these reminders for me that uh, that are tangible, physical representations of the passage of time. What I'm in trying to do deep focus, knowing that I need 10 minutes of break every hour. I have a uh like an egg timer. Uh, an, an egg timer a sand timer. Oh, a sand timer. That okay. I flip over. Yeah. Then I flip over and it's 50 minutes long. I got a custom-made timer. I flip it over. The sand goes through. I can see the time passing. And when it runs out of sand, I get up and I take my 10-minute break. So, I mean, we have to, it's not that our technology is bad. It's the way it's been designed. It's the algorithm. It has literally been designed to steal our time from us and addict us. Those dopamine hits every time an email comes in so you have to accept that understand it and find ways around it
2: i got to say i'm hearing a lot of unique things from this podcast yeah. which is what we appreciate and love to me the the most unique thing i heard and and i'm going to hit you back with something unique um was that that you're training your brain to make any place where you work part of your work so when you go back to it it kind of you you said that about finding one place to work okay this is a super non-relatable issue, but I'm just going to ask you personally. Let's say you make videos entirely around your house every day <laughs> and this is what we do by the way. And and then put them out on the internet every morning. Do we need to buy a prop house? Like <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out the best way to deal with this because I'm like this light bulb's going off in my head and I'm like you're right. My entire house is my workplace and I don't know how to fix it.
0: Well, you have to start reclaiming some of that space. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you do it a little bit at a time, right? Like we know that that's how the brain creates habits, right? These tiny little steps mm-hmm. incrementally at a time. So you have to start reclaiming it. Like, for example, okay, I'm not going to do videos in the laundry room or what I have no idea what your house looks yeah. like. But I, this, this, I'm not going to do them in here. Yeah. And just start reclaiming it because you can still do videos in your home and turn different ways without allowing the public and your work to claim every corner of the house. I love that. you're in control. I mean, you're not, this is. Yeah, it's true. Not like we, out of your control. Yeah. Reclaim your home for yourself like, a, a square foot at a time. Yeah.
3: No, that's I mean, that's that's so much. So much learning is happening right now. So Okay, I've put these things in place celeste i'm i'm i I love the analog that you've put. I love a cuckoo clock. i'm gonna search for one today I, and it just the awareness i'm gonna be more aware of my time. i'm gonna do an audit and set boundaries around it now that's gonna create time and space for me to do nothing yeah, what you gonna do with yourself like
0: man? what what do i i what do I, I, I don't know you'll do? have to find out what you want to do like in the meantime. Probably what happens to many people and what happened to me was at some point, you're going to find yourself sitting on the couch, feeling bored for the first time in years. What is and that? Yeah. Boredom is super productive and wonderful. Boredom is a very healthy state of mind. So if you are, if, and I want you, when you do finally feel that boredom, I want you to embrace it. I want you to sit with it. Rather than grabbing your phone or rushing to something to relieve the boredom, I want you to sit with it. So what happens is you go into what neuroscientists call the default mode network, right? It, it, it's when your brain is not directed to do an activity. And you will, your, your archivists, your archive librarians, right, your research librarians in your brain don't enjoy that feeling and they're going to start sifting through stuff. And you're going to start looking around the room and notice stuff maybe you hadn't for. Oh, you know what? I was going to, I bought a kid kit. Is it behind those books? I'm going to finish doing that painting. Or, came okay, it called my aunt in like six months. I should probably do that. But your, your librarians are going to buy back. They're trying to pull up little cards saying, how about this? How about this? Right? And when you land on one that sounds interesting, that's not connected to work, go do it.
1: Hmm. Did
0: someone give you a, a? uh, uh a gift certificate to a ceramic studio? Go do it. And eventually you're going to find something you enjoy doing. I mean, you, you know, this, this happened to me relatively reg- uh, recently. My son, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, gave me a miniatures kit. Oh, cute. Like create your own miniature. And one time I was sitting there and I was like, I guess I'll do that kit. And I have gotten totally obs- an obsessed I make miniatures. I make so many miniatures now that I'm giving them away on the sidewalk. Like I have become obsessed with it. I would never have come up with that had I not allowed myself to just sit in idleness. Yeah, I
3: don't know. So this all prompted, like my goal of slowing down prompted because I had to get a medical procedure last year. It was very, very easy. I was going to be put under and it was like the doctor said, hey, you'll be kind of out of it for two or three days. And I was like, that sounds amazing. That like I have this excuse to do nothing and the doctor's like I need you to take a look at your life if you're celebrating getting a surgery and you're looking forward to recovering from surgery. And I was like, "Oh, most people don't look forward to that." She's like, "No, most people put that off. Like they don't want to feel uncomfortable." But I felt so excited to like have an excuse to do nothing and then I sat there and I was like, then I went, then I did sit there and like, I don't know what to actually do now. So it was, and then I felt guilty about not being productive. So I started writing stuff, which I love to do. I do love to do it. But I think there's a difference between like loving what you do and then have feeling the need to do it all the time. So.
0: There's also, I mean, you can absolutely love what you do. I love what I do, but it's still work. Right. And your brain. Doesn't allow itself; does not rest while you're doing work, whether Mm -hmm. you love it or not. Your brain will not rest. Mm -hmm. So we need rest. It it is required for us to be productive, Mm -hmm. for us to be have a healthy life and experience well-being. We need it. But you're right. Like that, what you're talking about is what a lot of people went through when they were stuck at home because of the pandemic. Right? All those people are like, "I'm going to learn Italian." And I'm gonna, I am learned a salsa dance and did none of those things. Because, again, their entire house was, A, directed at um, work. work in yeah. some way or another. They also had this guilt to where if they were going to pick up sourdough baking, they needed to make it into a part of their brand. It, and Open an Etsy up. shop. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. People were not set up to do this. And, and I, I strongly encourage people to do it a little at a time a little bit at a time. Yeah.
3: I think my goal for this week is to find time and space to be bored. Cause I don't know the last time I was bored. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, most people can't name it. And we have a generation that's growing up without ever having experienced that.
2: Celeste is going to teach us and we're going to, you know, what? we're going to check in. Like, I think either with her or you and I are going to just check in in a few months and see if we've learned anything from this. Cause it's, it's oh, really I,
3: I like I feel like it's a fire hose coming yeah. at me.
2: It's it's what do you mean?
3: Well, just like of a lot of, I just, the awareness. And I think one of the reasons I've struggled with t- slowing down is we, I've heard a lot about the benefits of slowing down. I didn't really, I, I didn't realize the roadblocks, like how the world is set up to keep me sure going. Yeah. And I really is, I say, I, I would say it out loud. I would say, oh, I just want to slow down. I want to rest. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is just for like super privileged people. This is for like, it's not, it's not
2: it's everybody. everybody. And and think of like, think of what sort of different wonderful things you could pick up. She's, she does miniature sets. Somehow she's, I, I read this on her um, page. Like she's slowed down enough that she's, are you a trained operatic soprano now, Celeste? Did I read that correctly?
0: I was before. That's what my, my degrees are in. Yeah. I was a professional opera singer for most of my Oh, my God. You know, that's what I started out.
2: We're, and, we're all human yeah. onions, honey. Oh my God. Like there's you peel back the layers and you get a, no, like a train. What, what was your favorite thing to sing?
0: I'm a lyric coloratura soprano. So I sing what's known as the bel canto repertoire, oh. which is like Bellini and Donizetti. My grandfather's a famous composer. So my favorite thing to sing is his music, of course. Oh, but wow. The things that sound best in my voice are the, the bel canto what, rep. What's your grandfather's name? Uh, William Grant Still. He's
3: the dean of of
2: African American composers. Holy cow! Oh, that's great. That's
3: amazing. Wow! This is like that's a separate podcast. We need to like book more of your time for that. <laughs>
2: Hang on. Can we just like? Can we? will do it later. Can we put like a little bit of you singing in here really quickly? Like just something like a do recording. You a
0: recording. Uh,
2: you don't have to do it live. Oh, I want oh, to get like a recording. Oh, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. I would
0: have a recording. If you... okay,
2: Max. Here, here it is. Here's Celeste singing. And now we're back because there's an edit and I have no idea how that sounded because I don't have it yet, but I bet it sounded incredible.
3: But it's amazing. Yeah. That's a huge gift. I, I also, I don't know if this is normal and this is an aside. I do spend a lot of time singing in my car that, so nobody hears. And I feel like in my next life, I, or in my former life and in a life, I, at some point was a really good singer because I think I was meant to be a good singer. You
2: are a good singer. No. You just don't like doing it in front of people. I just don't
3: do it. In front. No, I'm yeah. not. It's anyway. So the bef- So now that we've heard you sing, real quick before we wrap up, as parents, I feel like I'm also just aware of the example I'm setting with this rushed life I'm living. Are there certain things we could be doing to model
0: a healthy balance for our kiddos? This is such a good question. You know, one of the most common questions I get all the time is, how do I get my kid off their phone? All they do is have their head buried in their phone and blah, 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 blah. And the first thing I always say is, is that what you're modeling? Like, do you leave the phone at home sometimes when you leave the house? Do you bring it to the table with you when you're eating dinner? Or are you modeling to them that they should have their phone with them at all times? If the phone rings while you're talking to them in the kitchen, are you going to turn and check to see who it is and then possibly answer it because it's a work call? Or are you going to ignore it as you should and continue talking to your kids? So when you talk about modeling, the first thing I would say is that you got to get yourself healthy. And that process of prioritizing what's important in your life, learning what actual leisure time is, not time off. Again, time off is just time off of what? Work. It's just time that you're spending preparing to work again. Leisure time doesn't give a flying about work. Yeah. Right? Leisure is just your leisure. The leisure is what you're working for. You work enough to where you can enjoy your life. Yeah. And as you start learning to enjoy your life, baking bread that doesn't look good because you're never going to post it on social media, making miniatures where the glue may be dripped everywhere because you don't care. Who cares? It's for you. Then your kids are going to see you happier, yeah. more well-rested, and you might be more encouraged to start to, to, as most people, treat their kids as sort of a walking resume, adding up things that they can put on their college application and treat them as a, a three-dimensional, four-dimensional possibly, living, breathing human being.
3: Uh, that's a, there are so many things you brought up here that I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Where can people find you if they want more information, your books, all that? So we, by the way, we will link to all the books in the show notes, but tell us where people, if they're curious, how to find you.
0: I mean, the easiest thing is my website, which is just CelesteHeadley.com. I also run a nonprofit that's um, focused on equitable justice in, in the workplace and in media. And that's called Headway. It's hard on social media, right? Because I've quit so many social media platforms. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Twitter anymore. Yeah. I, I do use Instagram and post mostly pictures of my dog. So oh, that's, a, that's yeah. a good follow then,
3: because I love dog <laughs> pictures. Website
2: sounds like the place to go.
3: Yes. That's right. Perfect. We appreciate your time because I know how you, I know how you inventory your time. So just spend this time with us. Well, she's
2: got free time now because she learned how to compartmentalize it. So this (laughs) is, we'll just call this her free time.
3: Well, this is not her free time. This is her work. I'm working. That's
2: true. Well, but thank you for spending some of that time with us.
3: I appreciate you having me. Oh, thank you. I love Celeste. I am now president of the Celeste Headley Fan Club. She's great. Very passionate about, about just reclaiming our time.
2: Everything she said makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I, it, it has us thinking about it in a different way. I, so I think that for people who are listening, this is going to be incredibly good, actionable advice. That's really what we want from this podcast is for our listener to get something they can use. It has personally stressed me out. Like, Tell me. Because she's right. Like our whole house is our job. Mm. our whole, like she's so right. Like you and I were at target yesterday and I made a comment. And the first thing out of your mouth was we should make that into a video. It's like, our
3: what was that? I forgot
2: it. I I said, why is it that for some reason, like tall people, when they see, oh,
3: it's so funny. Yeah, when, you're tall, right.
2: when tall people see each other, for some reason, we always say hello to each other. Like, <laughs> There was like, another
3: you know, tall man passing him and he's like, What's up? I'm like, Do you I, I, know him? No. And he's like, No, he's just tall.
2: It's just like, you, it's someone who's up in your level and you just say something to him. And then we laughed about it. And then about five seconds later, you're like, Oh, how can we make a video out of that? And I think I was a little perturbed. But, but here's the thing it's, we have to do that. No, like you, we
3: don't have to. And first of all, we are, we are, among, we have a lot of friends who do what we do. We document the least.
2: We definitely do.
3: We document the least of our lives because we are so, if we're in front of our kids, we are not shooting
2: a video. That's true. Now we've, we've definitely, we've made a boundary there. I do think that if like one of the best compliments that people tell us, and one of the reasons why we are successful and have this microphone in front of me that I'm talking on, the thing that records it, the platform that allows us to promote it. The reason we have all those things is because we do talk about our lives in a, in a fun way, but also a candid way. And people always say, hey, it's, it's like you guys have, have uh, cameras at our house. The reason why is because we do see things happening and we turn them into content. But there's a drawback to that, I feel like.
3: Well, I think, okay, here's what, I think here's what it is for me. I enjoy looking at life through a lens of how to make it funny. I enjoy like yeah. I think that, so that's the difference is that I don't think of it as a burden this is I think that you and I have different areas where we struggle so I don't look at it as a burden I get there's a there's a piece of joy and a like a thrill I get of oh wow I feel like I know a way to make this funny because I just love I'm fascinated by comedy and what what makes things funny so I. Well, so am I. Yeah. But I, I don't feel that's not my struggle, but it's yours. And so I. I
2: my struggle. That. My struggle is trying to find times where that doesn't happen, like where we can just laugh and, 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 and let that be it. And, and I think what she made me realize was that there is something, maybe it's uh, subconscious that that happens when you work in certain parts of your home.
3: I, I already have ways, I think. So we do stuff like in our bedroom all the time. We'll do it in the guest room. Yeah,
2: like no more bedroom stuff.
3: No, no, more, no, no more bedroom
2: no stuff. No more bedroom stuff.
3: Yeah, we'll just shoot. that. That's the guest room. Yeah. And so that, that becomes what we do because like already we don't really shoot in our kids rooms we did when they were little we would use like the back of the bookshelf or something but that's yeah. that no longer happens and, and
2: full disclosure like a couple of years ago maybe four or five years ago kim was like why don't we just buy like why don't we like invest in a rental property and then we can use that to like shoot our stuff
3: yeah there's and a house for sale behind us we couldn't afford it it was like insanely we, expensive and, and
2: we couldn't afford it then and there is no way we can afford it Chappelle.
3: now Um I'm sorry. My mom, I'm so excited, you guys. Life update. She moved to town. Yeah. But let me tell you. Ain't
2: cheap. It's real estate prices.
3: Anywho. Man,
2: uh, let's just shoot stuff at her house. Just to her. She's oh, my dead. gosh. She's going to be so pissed.
3: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And um, if you're on this journey with me, tell me ways you've found that you've slowed down without stressing yourself out because it stresses me out, but I'm going to put these into place. Okay. I love you. Bye. Bye.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.